0: Turn with me again, please, to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Try and tie this together for you, the best of my ability. And as I said, this can be controversial, but nevertheless, we'll be bringing you God's Word this evening. Verse 15. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him, the Lord Jesus, that is, in his talk. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true, and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said... Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? And they say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. And when they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Keep your Bibles open, we will refer to different portions of Scripture as the service goes on. But let's just buy in a word of prayer. Eternal Father, thank you again that you've brought everyone out, out to hear your word. We ask you now, Lord, that you would inscribe your word in our hearts and imprint it upon our minds. We ask you, Father, that if we leave here, we'll be conscious knowing exactly, Lord, what state our world is in. And exactly what state our soul's condition is in. Lord, that those that, Lord, know you will rejoice that you're the God who is in charge and in complete control. But, O Lord, that we will look and watch and wait and listen and pray for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But also, Father, for those, if there's one here who has not yet bowed the knee, that is, has not been saved, born again of the Spirit of God and washed in the blood of the Lamb, that this evening they will realize their need of the Lord Jesus Christ. And surrender themselves to him alone. We ask it all for his name and for his glory, giving you thanks. Amen. The Pharisees and the Herodians came to the Savior with a loaded question to try and twist his words to convict him, to try and capture him in things that he would say. And they ask him a question when we read verse 17. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Now, we told you before how they have come that when Jesus would, if Jesus would say, No, you are not according to God's law to pay tribute to anyone but God, then that would be worthy of death, for Caesar was counted as God on earth. He was counted as the bridge builder, the mediator, the pontifex maximus. And Caesar had a kingdom with a spirit behind it to build up a kingdom of men and women from every nation that he would have them under his servitude, slavery and under control. Take note of this Christian this evening. The Pharisees and the Herodians and later on in the chapter the Sadducees They hated each other. They detested one another. Yet they became unified and found a common bond when they came to the Lord Jesus for they wanted to destroy him and they wanted him off the scene of time, removed from planet earth. During the night of our Lord's arrest in Gethsemane and his unjust barbaric trial, his interrogation by Pilate, representing Rome Annas and Caiaphas the high priest representing Jewry and then who heard the Edomite king who turned to Jew they all found a common denominator to be able to try and destroy the Lord Jesus Christ also and brothers, sisters and friends even today the works of the devil is among us is among our nation and even throughout church a life and denomination where it is to ecumenize, to get together, to strangle the word of God out of every believer, every man and woman who have stood for faith in Christ alone and to gather us all into one world government in order to rule and to reign over us. Here's a sidelight for you, Christian, in your personal life. You'll find that those who once detested disliked or even hated one another and who still maybe even do you'll find themselves uniting one another will get together to try to destroy you in order to to drain the life of Christ out of you to defame your name to destroy your witness your walk and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ so these men unite and they come together and they ask the Lord a loaded question. Look at verse 18 of our reading. Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Here the Lord is shown Then he tells them to show them tribute money. Verses 20 and 21. Let's read it. He says unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? They say unto him, Caesars, then saith he unto them, Render therefore Unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things which are God's. Here the Lord is saying, Whatever that is off this world belongs to Caesar, then return it to Caesar. But he was saying to the Pharisees, who claimed to be, if I can put it in brackets, the Jewish church of the day, their leaders. And he was saying it to the Herodians, who came from an Edomite puppet king of Rome who also claimed to be Jewish, he said unto them, you make up your mind, is Christ really king? Is Christ really God? Is Christ really saviour? Is Christ the only way to the Father? Because Jesus claimed all of these things, and he says, you render unto the Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Live in that lifestyle, sir, if that's the way you want to live. Live in that lifestyle and render on to Caesar and the things of this world that which belongs on to Caesar and the things of this world. But if you tonight feel the moving of God's word in your heart through his spirit, then render on to Jesus. Render on to God the things that are God's. And once and for all, bow the knee to Christ and come under the fountain. Of his precious blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And your full atoning cleansing power of the Lamb. Here we have these men coming with trickery on their minds. They come full of legalism, occultism, paganism, ritualism, ceremonialism, humanism and ecumenism. For they gather themselves together in one in order to try and to destroy our Lord Jesus Christ. This new world order, in its infancy, if I could call that even then, political, economical, and ecclesiastical system, to try and rid the word of God's people and of his Christ, that Christ's kingdom would not be set up upon planet earth. For example, in John chapter 18 and verse 36, when the Lord Jesus was being interrogated by Pontius Pilate, The Lord Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. And people think then, okay, well it's somewhere way out there and we're all alone down here. And we're going to be a smoking cinder on earth when atomic Armageddon comes. Friend, the Bible tells us that the earth will abide forever. And we're told that Jesus is coming again to rule and to reign on planet earth. It's not what he meant when he said, my kingdom is... Is not off this world. He meant my kingdom. Another translation is. My kingship. Is not off the things of the occult of Caesar. My, my kingship is not off Caesar's rule and reign. It's not of barbarity. And licentiousness. And unrighteousness and sin. It's not of this world system of things. The buying and the selling. Even as he cleansed the temple of the house of God. He says it's not off this world. World's order that you and I live in, but when Christ returns, He will set up His kingdom in glorious righteousness, and He will rule and reign from planet Earth. He says, "My kingdom is not of this system of things." The Lord was speaking not so much to the sphere in which the reign of Jesus is exercised, but speaking as to the nature of His reign. I don't rule and reign as Caesar. I rule and reign as a righteous, just and holy God. So here we have the Lord speaking to these men who come. Now over the weeks we have looked at Daniel chapter 2. Will you turn with me please to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Nebuchadnezzar gets his soothsayers out and his magicians and they couldn't tell the dream nor interpret it and we've been here every week so we'll just briefly look at it again Daniel comes and he interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream and this is what he says in verse 32 the image's head it says was of fine gold his breast and arms of silver his belly and thighs of brass his legs of iron his feet part of iron and part of clay so here was this great image of a man a golden head Later we're told Daniel interpreting the dream says to Nebuchadnezzar thou art this head of gold. Babylon's kingdom was the head of gold. The next kingdom would come was the breast of iron and arms of silver which would be the Medo-Persian king. The next was the belly of brass which stood for Alexander the Great and his Grecian empire. The next were the legs of iron which was the Roman empire wherein the the Pharisees and the Herodians came to our Lord and asked him, did he pay? Was it good to pay tribute unto Caesar or not? That was imperial pagan Rome. And then we have the next kingdom would be feet that were part of iron and part of clay. So here we're told, here are the succession of kingdoms that we have looked at. Let's look at verse 34 for a moment. Thou sawest, or, or you were seeing this, he says, till that a stone was caught out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and break them in pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer, threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Notice the ten toes, like you have ten toes. Well, most of us should have ten toes uh, on our feet. So this image, he sees ten toes, feet part of iron and part of clay. And it says then there was a stone cut out without hands. The stone then grows and becomes a mountain. And then it fills the whole earth. I want to stop and show you this stone cut out without hands for a moment. It comes, if you want, in three stages here. A stone cut out without hands. Secondly, a great mountain. And thirdly, it fills the whole earth. The first part was the stone cut out without hands. In other words, it wasn't man-made. In other words, this was the doing and the workings of Almighty God. He caused he calls Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees. We have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then we have Israel, the nation that is formed and brought out of Egypt. And Israel formed then later years as they come into Canaan land. They were separated into a northern kingdom of ten tribes and a southern kingdom of two tribes. The northern house of Israel, the southern house of Judah. Samaria on the northern kingdom was their capital city and the southern kingdom of Judah was Jerusalem. Their idolatry, for their idolatry and their their sin, they were carried away captive. That is the northern kingdom scattered throughout the nations and they moved westward. Towards Europe and across to the British Isles. Then we have Judah in the south. And in the south Judah were carried to Babylon. That's where we read of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And Daniel in the lion's den. And of course then they come back again and they build the walls in the temple of Ezra and Nehemiah. That's when you read those books. And from this comes the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first one was that this stone cut out without hands was the formation of God's people Israel. And here at the legs of iron there is the house of Judah still left. The Lord Jesus comes. He hangs on the cross and he bleeds and he dies to bring in the new covenant from Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31 to 33. The new covenant he would make with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah and he would shed his blood and die and everyone would be brought in under that blood covenant. And we're told that the the Lord Jesus rose again on the third day. So here we have a kingdom, a stone cut out without hands. Secondly, this kingdom became a a great mountain in the earth whenever the Lord Jesus died and was risen again and filled his church with the Holy Ghost and power. The early apostles went out preaching the word of God and they went westward for Abraham's promise from God was, thy children shall go first westward. Paul goes to go eastward to Asia, but the Holy Ghost sends him westward for that's where God's people had went. Everyone was hearing the gospel of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then this great mountain started to build. The reformation took hold in time. And after that nations were separated across western Europe. And there was the Protestant nations which held to the word of God and the reformed faith. And Britain became a great mountain in the earth. And it filled by a commonwealth. Now friends we're told throughout many people say how bad Britain were throughout history and their imperialism. But let me say something. Yes, there were men who'd done drastic and terrible, uh, drastic things in the earth, terrible things from Britain. But if it wasn't for Britain, there wouldn't be the road networks they had. If it wasn't for Britain, they wouldn't have the health programs they had. If it wasn't for Britain and they're moving, they wouldn't have the Bible, they wouldn't have the gospel of God's saving grace. And this great mountain became a commonwealth and filled the entire earth. And so now when Christ returns in the third time, he will gather all his redeemed together. He will sit upon the throne of David and rule over the house of Jacob on the earth and yet even over the entire universe when he comes again in power and in glory. Now that's about 4,000 years of history and about five minutes and I'm puffed out. So here we have, I hope you can grasp this this evening. Here we have this Great stone cut out without hands. And when Christ returns, it smashes the image on the feet. It's already happened whenever the, the word of God, the just shall live by faith in 1517 at the Protestant Reformation. And Rome started to tremble and to break and to quake, friend. But oh, it will be finished when Christ returns. And every idolater... Everyone from every apostate uh, 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 faith, they will, uh, uh, and every uh, uh religion, friend, that that is not true to the God's word, that is whether it's Protestant or Catholic or Muslim or Judaizers or Hindus or whoever, friend, they will be found that Christ will come again, and they will be caught out and caught on. And friend, you could be in that number too. If you're not saved, you could be caught out. And you could be caught on. So this great mountain stone. Fills the whole earth. For the coming of the Lord. So notice these feet are on the ground when Christ returns. Turn with me please. To Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. I said all that nearly in one breath there didn't I? I have so much to tell you tonight. And I have so many things to dig up and show you. I want you to get as much as as we can in. Verse 4, the, here uh, uh, near the end of Daniel's life, he is shown uh, a vision by the Lord. And he sees the, He says, The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings, and I beheld the wings until the wings were plucked. And it was lifted up from off the earth and made to stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And behold another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side had three ribs in its mouth of it, between the teeth of it, and they said thus unto it, arise, devour much flesh. And after this I beheld, and lo another like a leopard, notice these animals, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, the be- the four wings of a fowl, the beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. And after this, after this I saw, in the night fashions, and behold a fourth beast dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly and it had great iron teeth that devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it and it had, notice ten horns, with ten toes in Daniel 2, now we have ten horns take note of that, it's very important next verse 8 says I considered, notice I considered the horns he says And behold, there came up among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horns, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and the mouth speaking great things. Now when you look at last week's, we told you, if you read on, it talks about the coming again of the Lord Jesus. So here are these ten kingdoms, here's these ten horns, here are the ten toes until Christ returns again so 10 toes in two, chapter 2 10 horns in chapter 7 Daniel see our Nebuchadnezzar's dream he sees gold and silver we showed you last week at high when he sees it he sees it glorious and glamorous but from the eyes of God given to Daniel in chapter 7 he sees it twisted and ravenous he shows it as beasts the exact same They mirror one another. You'll have to get last week's CD for we went through it in detail. And I can't do it again tonight. Okay. So it shows you, it mirrors one another. But here at the end, Daniel says, he says, I considered, notice the words, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn. Verse 8 there. See that. See the word considered, I considered. It's a, a Chaldean or a Chaldean word and it's the word Sawkal, S A W K A L, for our anglicized spelling. And the word Sawkal means to be circumspect, to be intelligent. It means to look and to behold and to understand, to study it in great depth and great detail. Daniel says, I seen these ten horns, and another one came up and tore three horns up. He says, and I studied it. I looked at it till I understood it in great detail. For example, in Psalm 64 and verse 9, this word is mentioned again. Listen to what David says. And all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God. For they shall wisely consider his doing. David's saying there'll come a time when men will look and see the works of God and they will study and realize that God's word is true. And the things that God is doing in the earth, they will say, oh, he is wonderful. He is almighty. He is omnipotent and omniscient. And they'll fully understand the things that God is bringing upon the earth. Friend, I hope tonight... That you and I will leave here and realize God's word is true. That he is omnipotent and omniscient. And that he knows all things. And he is causing all things to happen in the earth. God hasn't lost control you know. Our God is in full control of all the nations. And even of your life tonight. Isn't that what you were saying tonight Leon? God is in control. Our God is in control. So here it means to study it. Daniel says, I looked and I pondered, I examined, I studied. He says, I was circumspect, I looked at it with intelligence. See in Psalm 64, the reading we took. Listen to what Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, said in his writings on the, in the Treasury of David on this verse. I quote him The judgments of God are frequently so clear and manifest that men cannot misread them. And if they have any thought at all, they must exact the true teaching from them. And I told you last week, Charles Haddon Spurgeon was one of the men who believed what we're preaching tonight. In other words, he says, see when you look at it and you start it, he says, see no matter what you've been told in the past or taught to know or passed down through generation, he says, when you see it in the light of God's word, he says, they must exact the true teaching from it. And that's what we're going to do with the little horn now. And i show you the true teaching of it. Do you know you're going to hear that there's going to be some man when yonder year, it could be tomorrow or next year or next 100 years, that Jesus will come and you'll disappear and some man will rule and reign and this is him, this little horn. Friend, I'm going to teach you what the scriptures say about this. Let's learn this evening from this. Let's look at this little horn. And I considered, verse 8, the horns. And behold, there came up among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up. Here's ten horns, three are plucked up as this little horn starts to come out. Now take note of that. The three horns that were plucked up in history were the, the groups of, remember I told you last week, the ten horns, the ten toes, were ten provinces, ten kingdoms if you want, ten rulers with areas and capacities that were around Rome and what make up most of modern Europe today. And they revolted against, against Rome, the pagan Roman Empire. Well this little horn comes up and I will piece this together for you in a moment so stay with me. The three of those little uh, provinces that were pulled up were the Heruli the Ostrogoths and the Lombards. The Heruli, the Ostrogoths and the Lombards. These three were settled and they were even ruling to some degree around the region of Italy and they were plucked up by the continuation of the cult of Caesar. As the little horn came up, ten toes, ten horns, were ten provinces, as I said, would make up the bulk of Europe. Now, I tried to remember the ten offhand last week, and I got the eight, if you remember, and I couldn't remember. Happens to me all the time. I've got the ten for you tonight. I've written them down so as you'll get them, okay? They are the Goths, the Ostrogoths, the Visigoths, the Franks, the Vandals, Sueve, the Alans, the Huruli, Burgundians. And the Lombards. Okay, so you've got the ten now. We were missing two last week. Interesting fact, friends. Here I told you, I think it was in part one, in 410 A.D. The Roman soldiers pulled their troops out of Britain. Because there was unrest. They were starting to turn on Rome and they needed all their soldiers back home. So they concentrated in Italy and in Rome especially. And they pulled their troops out of Britain in 410 A.D. 66 years later you'll find that the caesars collapsed and fell 66 years later so of those 10 kingdoms that rise up around this time britain was not among them britain was not one of them and why is that important Because that makes up the bulk of the European Union today. The main nations. Britain was not part of it. And Britain should not be in the European Union today either. For it's a godless union. And Britain needs out of it. That's why we bring these things to you. So if you ever get a referendum. Well I think we'll be a little bit older by the time we get a referendum in this country. If you ever get a referendum out of Europe, folks, it's from Satan himself. So here we have 410 to 476 AD. We'll look at it in a little moment. This was ancient Babylon, the head of gold, the silver. The brass, the iron, the feet, part of iron, part of clay. Ancient. And all of the traits come right down through them. I'm going to show you that in a little moment as well. All the traits come the whole way down. Will you turn with me? I want to show you this little horn rises up. told you last week this little horn is the papacy. And I want to show you a revelation please. Turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 13. Revelation's full of this stuff. It's absolutely fantastic. Revelation's full of it. Now, see, when we talk about this, I want you to know this. This goes bigger than this. This is a whole global movement. The whole banking system, even the Jewish bankers that are behind, the Rothschilds and the Bilderbergers and all of them, all involved in the New World Order. All involved in it. A lot of our politicians and the abomination in America. I remember when he was being voted for, I preached here before he was being voted for, he was in the running, and I told you he was an Islamist, he was a he, he, he was Muslim. And I told you his name is Barack Hussein Obama. And I said at the door, when people came out they were saying, ah, he's not really a Muslim. I said, He is. And he is. He's come out the National Day of Prayer in America and he's brought in Friday prayers of Islam. But this is just where we are tonight. There's greater things to come and maybe other weeks. Maybe after Christmas, I don't know. These things take so long to to put together. Let's look at Revelation chapter 13, please. Beginning to read a verse 1. Notice this, this great beast. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the names of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. Notice the animals. A leopard and his feet were the feet of a bear. And his mouth the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him power and his seat and authority. Now notice this. The dragon gave him power and his seat and authority. Okay, hold on to your pals. We're going to go into this, okay? I'm going to really open this up for you tonight. Here we have this beast. This is a political system with an ecclesiastical background. When you go on into the next, the rest of the chapter and all further in, you'll find it's more ecclesiastical. You see the ecclesiastical side coming out of it. Looks like a lamb, but you know, he's not a lamb at all. Christ is a lamb of the tribe of Judah. Revelation chapter 14, we see Christ. And I looked and saw a lamb and stood upon Mount Zion. That's Christ. Let me get a breath because I get excited at this, you know. I have to gather myself together. This stuff really causes my toes to open and shut. So, seven heads, seven heads are seven forms of government that were in Rome. Here they are, kings, consuls, dictators, decemvirs. Now, there was ten of those in a council alone. Tribunes, emperors, and then imperial caesars seven heads of government okay also some say it matches the seven hills of Rome now here's something I want to show you turn with me to Revelation 17 please notice this beast comes out of the sea what is the sea the sea here speaks of peoples and nations now how high cannot be peoples and nations Whenever it says the sea. Surely we should keep it as the sea. Okay let's read this. verse Chapter 17 verse 1. There came one of the seven angels. Which had the seven vials. And talked with me saying. Come hither and I will show unto thee. The judgment of the great whore. That sitteth upon many waters. Now run down to verse 15. For time's sake we'll come back to this. And he saith unto me. The waters which thou sawest. were the whore sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. The Bible interprets it itself. So here we have peoples where this beast comes out of. Some people say there's going to be big dragons come out of the sea. a nonsense. This speaks of a great system that comes out of people. This is the horn, the little horn. This is the the... the, the, the The great beasts all amalgamated together and one will die, one head dies and it rises up to be something else. Let's look at it. We've looked at it, seven forms of government or seven hills. Look at chapter 17 verses 9 and 10. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings. See the mountains and the kings that are together. There are seven kings. Five are fallen and one is and another is not yet come. And when he cometh he must continue a short space of time. So here is the heads of government. Seven hills off Rome. So here we have it now. in Chapter 13 verse 2. Please turn back to it. I know we have you flicking back and forward. But this is important for what we want to say. It's hard to piece this together uh, tonight, but let's read verse 2 of chapter 13. And the beast which I saw was like to a leopard. Notice, it was like a leopard. It was like the feet were as of a bear and his mouth of a lion. You notice what they are? Daniel chapter 7, the same beast all amalgamated into one. What are they? They are Babylonian, that is the Medo-Persian, and the Grecian empires now come right down to the great beast of Rome. Now look what it says. And the dragon gave him power and his seat and his authority. Who is this dragon? Notice, you notice these are animals we recognize. Now here's a beast that no one is sure what it is. Look at me look with me for uh, at chapter twelve, please. Revelation chapter twelve and verse nine. Explains to us what the beast is, or the dragon is. Verse 9, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now when it says that this great beast comes out, and the, 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 the dragon gave him power and his seat and authority. Who gave the power, the seat, and authority? The devil. Satan gave the power, the seat, and and the authority. So secondly I want to look at the seat. The seat. We mentioned this before. But I want to go a little further into this. In Revelation 13 and 2. He gave him his seat. When you go to Revelation chapter 2 and 3. The Lord Jesus is sending to John. Write these words which I tell you. And he writes a letter to seven churches which are in Asia. Beginning at the church of Ephesus. Finishing up the seventh church, which is the church of Laodicea. Now, they were literal churches, as we have a church gathering, an assembly of God's people. They were literal churches around Asia area. But they also spoke of prophetical church time. In other words, Ephesus was the first church, and it was a real church, but it spoke of what the church was like then. Then it comes on up until you get to Pergamos. Pergamos prophetically gives the idea... Of the church between A.D. 313 to A.D. 606. If you remember, Pergamos was where the Lord Jesus says in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 13. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest. Listen, even where Satan's seat is. Jesus said, I know where Satan's seat is. It's in Pergamos. And we told you that there were when the gold head was changing kingdoms to the silver of Daniel chapter 2. That the Medo-Persians were taking over Babylon. That Babylon's soothsayers and wizards and, and enchanters and, and Satanists all came from there. And they moved to Pergamos. And they built up a great city there. And Attalus third was the king who sat at Satan's seat. Attalus bequeathed all his titles onto the Roman Caesars. And the Roman Caesars received them when Attalus died. And one of the great titles was Pontifex Maximus. Bridge builder. High priest. Way to God. The door. Sounds familiar to you? Let's go a little further. We're going to get into this. one. the time's flowing, but we'll, we'll do we'll finish this. Atlas the third had bequeathed these. Here's an interesting fact fact about Pergamos, friends. The church Pergamos, the name Pergamos means married to power. Married to power. Whenever we read Revelation chapter 13 and verse 2. What does it say? The dragon gave him his seat and his power and authority. The devil was married unto them. Israel was married to Yahweh. Exodus 19. But here they're married to Satan. It means married to power. It was known Pergamos was known for the altar of Zeus. Now Zeus uh, is a Greek god, but the equivalent of Zeus is Jupiter in Rome. But Zeus, the the, the, the Greeks worshiped Zeus, and, the, and Pergamos they built this great big altar. And you know who Zeus was? Zeus was worshipped in the place of and in opposition to Yahweh, the one true living God of Israel. And Zeus, he was the main god of the Greeks, while Jupiter, his equivalent, was off the Romans. Here's the interesting story. Zeus, it's said in mythology that he went to a, the Phoenician lady or a Zidonian woman called Europa, And he comes disguised as a beast, some say as a bull or a white bull. He puts her upon his back and he takes her to the continent where Europe is today. And it's called the Rape of Europe. Or the rape of Europa. And he carries her away. And that's where Europe gets its name from. And what do they do? They build the altar of Zeus in the middle of it. And they worship there. He who is in opposition and in the place of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word Antichrist means not only in opposition of. Anti- it means in the place of. Christ or Messiah in the place of Christ, in the place of Messiah. In church history, you have Pergamos finishing about 606. That is the Church of Rome era. Its power, strength, and its darkness where no Word of God was. Then the next church age in Revelation chapter 2 is the Church of Thyatira. And you'll find it in chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2 verses 18 and 19. The Lord says thou art ruled by a woman. Hey, the church was ruled by a woman. Who was this woman? The woman we have just read about her in Revelation chapter 17. Let's look at it. Verse 1, And there came one of the seven angels, which had seven vials, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show unto you the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast. Full of names of blasphemy and having seven heads and ten horns, and the woman was a red and purple and scarlet colour, and decked with all gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of the abominations and filthiness of her fornication, and upon her forehead was written a name, was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. The slaying of God's people. Burning at the stake. Cutting off their heads. This woman ruled the church, ruled by a woman, and it gives the characteristic of an illegitimate union of church and political systems together. And here we have the cult of Caesar, ecclesiastical. Here we have the cult of Caesar in every sense, shape and form, coming with the little horn of Daniel. Thank you for your attention. It's been marvelous. Will you give me another five minutes and we'll try and close this up for you. This is a big topic and I know it's hard to take it all in. Said seven hills are mentioned. We have read the scriptures, seven heads of state, seven hills. Note this. It's a remarkable fact that the seat today of the Pope should be the Vatican. Why is that? Now listen carefully. This is where the hill of the ancient Romans called Vaticanus. Or the hill of Vaticanus. And it signifies, the word Vaticanus signifies in the English. The place of divination. Think about that. Now I didn't write that. That's history. That's fact. It's known as the place of divination. Do you know what divination is? The idea here. Given of divination means the seat of the oracles. The mysteries of Babylon. The hell of divination is where the Vatican is today. That's why you call it Vatican. Reminds me of Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas are walking through where? Thyatira. Where's Thyatira? The place where it was ruled by a woman, Jezebel. Who was Jezebel? Jezebel was Ahab's wife. She was, a listen, a Phoenician Sidonian witch. And she brought all sorts of spiritual idolatry and adultery into the northern kingdom of the ten-tribe house of Israel. Ahab was her husband. She caused idolatry to be found in all of Israel. What do we see from modern Babylon but idolatry to be found in all of Israel? Paul and Silas are walking through Thyatira with a place where it was ruled by a woman. And this woman comes and says she was fooled or she she was taken over. She was possessed by a spirit of divination. And she made everybody money by her cultic arts and charms. And she says, these men are the servants of the most high God. In other words, see these men here. These men are godly men. They're anointed men. They belong to Christ. Everybody would say, isn't she doing you a good turn? She's preaching the gospel, is she not? You go into the next beast. It looks like a lamb. But inside is A dragon this woman maybe sounded and looked like a lamb but she said she was inside a dragon she had the spirit of divination but I got to close her so much of this I don't know where to stop can I have another couple of minutes is that alright who will shout at me if I don't close now put your hand on and peek. only Denise, anybody else <laughs> Okay, I know we're late. Give me a few more minutes. Give me a few more minutes. Do you know an interesting fact that the cardinals, the name cardinal, the Latin word card, it comes from a Latin word cardo, which in the English is the word hinge. H-I-N-G-E. You know a hinge for a door? Hinge. Hinge. It gives the idea that his legates, his cardinals, and every nation where he places them, they are the hinges. They tell people, you will come in and out of purgatory. You will come in and out of heaven. You will come in and out of glory when we say so and pray for you. And the great door that swings on them. Well, listen to this. When we speak of Pontifex Maximus, Pontifax Maximus, that title from Attalus III, which was bequeathed to Roman Caesars, which now is in, held by the popes in Rome. It comes from what's known as the keys of Janus and Sibyl, or Sibyl. And Janus and Sibyl was male and female. They held the keys. Now listen to this. Janus means Janus means the god of doors and hinges. He was a Babylonian uh, god, and he means the god of doors and hinges. Now listen again. He was called the opener and the shutter of the doors. Janus was known and was worshipped as the grand or the great mediator between God and man, And that he only could open the door of heaven. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall go in and out and find pasture. He shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. There is one meter between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, Paul says. Listen to Jesus, Revelation 3 and 7. These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. The keys of jealousy says I am the door and I have the keys. I am he which was and is and which is to come. The almighty says. I am the first and the last. He which was dead and is alive forevermore and have the keys of death and hell. And they call it the keys of Peter. Only Christ has the keys and Christ alone. And Sybil." Sybil means the interpreter of the mysteries. Opens the case. The interpreter of the mysteries or her name is Domina or Lily. Our Lord Jesus will return in power and glory. And he will come again in AD eight hundred. We found that the deadly wound that we read off, you go on as a deadly wound and it was healed. The head was raised up and it was the, the, the papal system that came out of it. And in 800 AD, Charlemagne, the king of the Franks, the Franks were Western Germans. They had a great union with one another. And then came the Holy Roman Emperor, was uh, Charmaine, the king of the Franks. Christmas Day, 25th of December, 800 AD. And the last one was Francis the second, I think in 1806 Holy Roman Emperor so what did they do? they brought in later because it all fell in the Napoleonic Wars when the Pope or when the Pope was moved out when Napoleon went in and sacked the Vatican or, or the, the papacy and what happened? they brought in the iron, steel and coal industry they brought in the Treaty of Rome in 1957 and Germany was the hub of Europe and is today. You listen to the news. It's the hub of Europe. The Christian Democratic Party, they are a Roman Catholic party. And the union is still the same. Hitler was given the blessing of the Pope. Check your history, I'm not lying. Amen, anybody that knows that? That's right, check your history. Folks, with the time, thank you for listening to me. The Lord bless you. I don't want to say I'm going to do another week because it took me forever to research again and, and get my mind up. I'll see what I come up with next week. But God blesses everyone. Listen, are you saved? Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? It shows you the Bible is true, doesn't it?